comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to the Jersey Shore Podcast. Welcome to Jersey Shore. I'm George from Jersey, joined not by Pierce this time, but instead by returning guest John. How you doing, John? Hey, guys. Been a long time. Yeah, I think the last thing you were on was the Kick-Ass 2 review. I believe so. No. It's, It's been months. There was something else after that. Was it Iron Man 3, maybe? Where we went to see a movie with two of your friends, and then we talked about it. I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't think it was Iron Man 3. Well, it was something, but it was in your basement, and we were... Talking about a movie we had just seen that I can't remember for sure off the top of my head. But anyway, the Kick-Ass 2 review, definitely the Pod Lang Zion episode where it was me, you, Dave, and Pierce, and we kind of talked about stuff. So we thought this week, um, I actually already recorded an episode this week with Pierce and some friends, but there's a lot of background noise on that episode, and I'm not going to have much time to edit, so I figured, hey, John's coming over, why don't we record something that won't need as much edited out for time, (laughs) content, and noise, of which there was a lot of all three in that particular episode. (laughs) So uh, we thought we might start out by going back to the topics of Pod Lang Syne and talk about bands, because while we we, we touched on it, we talked about kind of just in broad strokes, um, because with Dave and stuff, our musical collaboration goes back way farther than Dave. Further than that, yeah. Um, how old were we when we started recording music together? Uh, I feel like it was maybe early high school. Yeah, like... Or late junior high, something 13, like that. 13, 14, 15. Yeah, probably. I mean, I got my drum set when I turned 17, but we had already been recording for a while. Yeah, we were, we like, were recording, I mean... I feel like you just had a snare drum, or not, not even that because oh, initially even long before that, even. you yeah, because you were you were doing the vocals, and I think I was playing the classical guitar, or <laughs> yes, something, something like Which that. Which did not last long because you, while you do play guitar, you're much more of a of a pianist. Well, I kind of had a phase where like I took piano lessons for like four or five years, and then I stopped, and I took guitar lessons for like three or four years, and then I went back to piano. So I feel like when we initially started doing stuff, I was probably in the latter part of that guitar Yeah, because it, it did not last particularly long. No. So let's jump back then. When did you start playing piano? Eight years old. Okay, so something, uh, something right around like the time that. I also ha- I had a year of piano lessons that I quickly ran away from. <laughs> I did not want to learn piano. Although I, I can still remember a few things here and there. I'll still screw around on your huge keyboard setup when I'm at your house from time to time. Um, But so, like, when you're eight years old and you said lessons for, like, three years? Uh, Probably more like four or five years initially, yeah. And then then the guitar and then back. So now now you're pretty much exclusively uh, keyboards. Yeah, I mean, I... The the only time I play guitar is basically as a hobby right now. I don't don't do any recordings with guitar. I don't, you know, I don't gig anywhere with guitar. It's it's just for fun whenever I... Your brother, does your brother play guitar or just bass? Uh, He plays both. He mainly does bass, I believe. Yeah, but he, he plays a bit of both. I'm going to add in here for our listeners that if you hear background noise more than normal, it's because it's raining outside, and there's really no getting around that, so... Yes. 
that, for instance, right there. That's some uh, some wind. So I apologize, but um, we're gonna soldier on because I need to have an episode up this week, <laughs> and the other option is gonna take me a long time to edit. So a piano for a very long time has been your main thing, but you don't just do piano. I mean, you, you program. It, it would programming MIDI's be the correct term, or uh, I, I I do sound design in general, um, which is kind of my main. My main foray right now, and I actually do sound design for a, for a software instrument plug-in company called Tekkit Audio. And um, so for somebody who doesn't know, you're basically, like, if you have an electronic keyboard, which I guess all keyboards are considered electronic, but, um, right? Right. That's right, <laughs> the difference right, between that yeah. and piano. If you click, you know, number 147, the Western steel guitar, that had to be designed by somebody, and that's the kind of thing you're doing, if I understand right, it. Right, exactly. Yeah, that is that is basically what I'm doing with uh, with the software programs at Tegit Audio, along with some initial software testing and uh, going through some things like, you know, testing CPU usage and stuff like that before the plugins are actually released. So, so are you, when you're doing it, are you trying to emulate the sound of a real instrument, or are you experimenting more with digital sounds and something that sounds different, not something that sounds like something that already exists? Like, what is what you're um, I interested do, in? I do a little bit of both. I, I do probably more more realistic emulations with synth than I think most of my peers do. Oh, okay. Because a, a lot of people are kind of focused in right now, you know, the dubstep wobble basses and <laughs> and all and all that kind of stuff. And and I do do some of that, but I like to I like to really kind of it's kind of a challenge for me to see how close to, you know, the original can I get this this sound to to emulate given what I have to work with. So now, for me as a layperson who has, of course, used keyboards, but I, I've never programmed one, I wouldn't know where to start. When you are doing something like that with a keyboard, like, obviously, if you hit middle C, that plays the middle C tone with whatever sound you've laid over it, but then if you hit the A you know, across from that, that plays the same sound, but in the A tone. Uh, so, are you designing a sound once, and then the software will split it into each individual note, or do you have to design like eighty-eight different sounds, for for lack of a better term? No, it's uh, well, pretty much with with all of the tech and audio things, it's it's automatically tuned out. Um, so sometimes I will I will design a sound on a specific note. And I will just put that into like the notes page on the synthesizer, so people know to to trigger a sound there. Or um, you know, I'm I'm designing sounds for the full for the full keyboard range. Okay, it's all uh, it's all pre-tuned out. So that's what you're doing now. But way back in the day, when we <laughs> when we started out, oh, oh no, like well, this is this is just as now goofy. Now we're going back to what uh, what you never want to. This is just as goofy and embarrassing for you as it is for me. But so, like you said, this is before I got a drum kit. This is back in your short-ish stint guitar, uh, classical guitar. And when we first recorded, if I remember correctly, we had like cheap audio cassette recorder, like a boombox that would you had a record button on, and we were sitting next to. That and, and record it. And a couple of Radio Shack microphones, I believe. <laughs> I think that even came later. Like, in the beginning, wasn't it just recording into a boombox? And let's, I, let's remind people, this is not in 1986. This is in 2003, 4-ish? Early, early 2000s, yeah. yeah. 
Well, from what I remember where we started, we were running kind of like a microphone into the back of my, my shelf system, my Panasonic shelf system. But I feel system. like that was for the second round of recordings. I, I don't remember before that. Maybe, maybe I've blocked it out <laughs> intentionally not to remember it. That's quite possible, but um, that's what I remember is going into uh, into the shelf system. Well, that was certainly the first more technologically general, advanced general, version general that we did. Cassettes, of course. It was all cassettes back then. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, for us. For the rest yeah, of the world, cassette was already old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we, we, were, uh, we, were on, we were recording onto cassettes, and... You were in charge of pretty much all of the music, and I, I'd say we split writing of the lyrics pretty well. Yeah. Because we were both still in high school writing classes, so we had a lot of pages to fill, and so if we could fit a song or... A, yeah, I, I remember we, you know, we. I think we stole some stuff that we actually used for some of our classes first. and Yeah, stole it from and, ourselves, and, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know I definitely did. There was things I definitely got school credit on that I then applied to, well... Like, what was the, there was a song I, that we, were you in um, Mrs. K's class for that? Oh, yeah. At that yeah. time? Okay. So I couldn't, because you weren't there the whole time I was, I don't think. But for the no. this one year, we had a thing where it was, okay, basically you have ten minutes, just write. And so I wrote a song called Something From Nothing, which probably for all the songs we recorded is the one that was recorded the most different versions of. And it's oh, yeah. only like eight lines that we would just <laughs> <laughs> so and there's there's versions like, like guitar three, versions, piano three, versions, three chords, I think. I still have a lot of the, those versions on my computer, so I, I can I can hear in my head those guitar twangs of those few early early versions. Something to speak to the nation Nations built sand and stone Nations are the people to call their home Home where the hearts love soul Home where they will spend their years Still say nothing in my mind I must first find something yeah, yeah, yeah. Something from nothing yeah. Something from nothing eventually did transfer a lot of them to digital not all of them i don't think but yeah i know i know some of them we transferred to digital and then we combined with like a few that we that we started out digital but it was it was kind of uh we were recording on on a desktop with a creative music player <laughs> yeah and that it was, was a it was like pseudo mixing because it, it it wasn't recording separate tracks and then going back and mixing them afterwards but we had to we had to record one track that we liked and then so like six then, or seven tries at track one right and then set that to a certain volume and then set everything else like in proportion to that track so we're, we're, we had a lot of really bad levels with that. Oh, so we're talking like eight hours of work for one really poorly recorded song for a lot oh. of these. I mean, they got better as we went along, and much more for uh, 
What was that one song where I just played on the keyboard forever, and you sang, like, in between playing video games uh, while there were the no world? lyrics? Oldies but goodies. Oldies but goodies. I don't remember the lyrics. Oldies but goodies. Uh, uh, I think another thing I wrote for a creative writing assignment, and then yeah, I think it might have been threw that in there. Yeah, there. <laughs> but that was like one of the first ones we did that way. Our songs tended to either be extremely short and we had to artificially lengthen them, or just oh, super long super and boring. Long. That was one of the long ones. That was. That was like seven minutes, but it felt more like 15 <laughs> minutes while we were doing it. Yeah, well, at least we can recognize that now. So originally, cassette, at least to my memory, for, for a very oh, brief tour, like maybe once or twice we did this. Then you had a couple cheap microphones routed into your, to your desktop. Mm. And it was an old desktop, too, right? Like, it was like your family's oh, yeah, backup Windows desktop. 95, I think, or yeah. something like that. <laughs> Again, not in 1995, but in no. early 2000s. Mm. Like, we're probably up to 2002. XP was definitely out already. Oh, yeah. And then you bought, was it a four-track recorder or an eight-track recorder? You you know the details of this, these kinds of things more than I do. That, so. was, uh, that was the... I'm trying to think if there was something in between. I don't think there was. I think we went straight from using the creative... Which, again, was uh, terrible. Recorder. Yeah, that was, that was a nightmare. To um, play, to record, to do anything with. And those, those were... Those, actually, that creative program was the first thing we used when we initially actually started to have real band members come in, too. Yeah, we had a couple guitarists so and bassists so throughout the years. Yeah, so and by this time, you had already kind of transitioned more to just... Back to just keyboard. You do guitars yeah. a little bit here and there. Yeah, a little bit still uh, while we were on creative. Then after that, we transitioned to uh, to a Tascam uh, DPO-1, uh, which is like an 8-track portable digital recorder. Now, to be clear to the listeners, we were not regressing in technology back to recording onto 8-tracks, but no, this was no, we no, could no. record 8 different it's tracks, digital. level them, make, you know, make the, st- audio, the volume levels what we wanted to be. Yeah, we... We now had the ability to actually do true mixing after recording tracks, which was quite nice. Yeah, it was definitely a step up, still sounded pretty bad. And I say this only because now John is very good at this kind of stuff and recording and producing things, but back in the day, for a long period, we were not. There were major leaps and bounds we made in our production, but it was still just different levels of bad. <laughs> um, but it was good practice, I guess. Now, that thing, the the, the Tascam, the 8-track the recorder... I remember it, it was just a box. I remember I didn't know how to use it, and I you kind there of was, did. Uh, there was some sort of complicated procedure. Like it was to, really to, complicated to actually just start recording. You had to press like a couple different buttons a couple different times. Well, of um, which we all, almost always would screw up a couple times and have to redo something. Or yeah, oh yeah, and that that was a long. Uh, we used that for a long time too. Like I think that was a significant several uh, years time probably. frame, couple of years in there where we were recording off of that. And what kind of tracks did we have? We would generally have at least one keyboard track, maybe two. Mm-hmm. You know, like a general like piano sounding one, and then something for effects and stuff. All the drums were on one track. This was the height of rap rock at least in the conservative Christian families that we were in <laughs> uh, when that ha- so when it already passed the mainstream and was 
bleeding into uh, you know, derivative medias. So we we were doing a lot of rap rock stuff. So it would often have just like you know a Lincoln Park knockoff type thing. Me doing singing vocals, you doing rapping vocals. If the song called for that, or if it didn't, it would still have lots of times have two audio, two vocal tracks, yeah. two keyboard tracks, one drum track, which we would just set up my drum set. Well, this is you know years later when I actually have one at this point. You know, so yeah. after I'm seventeen, sometimes the full drum set, sometimes just part of it. But we would set the whole thing up have. We would, live, we would live mix that into the Tascam with, uh, I think it was an 8-channel mixer. Or, no, f- four... Four channels. Four, four mic channel mixer. On, so we would, on we would set up three or four mics around the drum set, one under the snare uh, and hi-hat, one under the ride, one in front of the bass drum, and another one kind of like in um, and amongst the toms, right? Do yeah. I have that correct? Yep. And we would basically play around with it for an hour until we got the level mostly oh, set, right. Setup took forever more time than anything for, else. For people who you want to be able to picture this, uh, we live about 15 minutes apart, 10, 15 minutes spending on traffic. Yeah. So I would have to load up my entire drum kit. So we would only do this every, like, couple times a year. Cause, well, I guess over a period we were doing, like, once well, or twice we, a month. We, but we brought it over here sometimes and did the recording over here. That's true. He would bring the well. recording stuff to my house and record here. But so we would have to, I would have to load it up in my car, which was like the worst game of Tetris ever, to fit the drum set and me in the car. Bring it to your house. And then your recording studio is, you know, for lack of a better term, your basement. But I mean, it is set up pretty well. Um, right. And has pretty good sound dampening, I would say, <laughs> naturally as a basement uh, carpet and, and couches and stuff in there. We'd have to bring it down there. and the So you have to bring it all the way to the back of the house where the steps are. And then the steps are fairly narrow. Like They're not like the world's most narrow steps, but they're not wide enough really to be bringing, bringing bass drums and stuff down. Bring it all down there. Set it up. Set up the mics. Spend an hour getting the mix right, record whatever, then take it down and reverse the process. It was so much work just to get me badly playing drums, or you know, depending on the year, but it's still nothing particularly great. Solid at, at best. Bring the you know, record the drums as best as we could on with this particular mixing setup. And like you said, it was only like one channel of drum, one you know, on the eight track recorder it was one track of drums. Right. And then guitar and bass would round it out. Usually, just one channel of those. So that was pretty much our process for that. But you don't use that anymore. What do you use these days when when we were recording something? Now these days, John and I aren't in a band together, but you do a lot of solo music, and every once in a while you'll have me yeah, come well, and lend a hand with vocals or something, keyboards. Keyboard percussion. We will fake percussion these days with a keyboard because it's way less work than sitting in the drum set. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Um... You know, even when we were kind of in the stage of, like, like post-official bands, but we were still kind of, you know, every now and then we'd be jamming, and I kind of made... It's a good excuse to hang out. Yeah, yeah, but I kind of made a transition, and, uh, you know, so I wasn't using the Tascam anymore. I actually switched to laptop-based recording setup, and... Uh, Which basically mimics a multi-track recorder. It's a PC version of GarageBand-type deal. Right. And you still have the mixer, right? Or a mixer... Uh, well, I don't, I don't use that anymore. Oh, okay. Um, initially I was, um, I was running like a light version of, of Cubase on, uh, on my, um, Toshiba laptop, but now I'm, now I'm actually, I run, I run full-blown Cubase and I actually have another, another doll, which is a Studio One, which I don't even use that much, but I have it on there in case I do use it. <laughs> so I, I run with, uh, with 
both of those right now, but pretty much pretty much uh, all along, it's you know Cubase has been mainly what I've what I've been using to record with since transitioning into that laptop phase. And certainly provides much better mixing abilities and leveling abilities and editing abilities. Like the stuff you put out these days, like actually sounds pretty well put it's, together. Yeah, it's, it's for something you didn't pay thirty thousand dollars to uh, to, to have somebody to, else do. You know, yeah. For 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 a person in their basement doing it sounds good. Mastering. And yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not bad. It gets a little bit better all the time. I mean, you can't tell the leaps and bounds anymore. But it's, right. You know, it's one song and then another song that maybe didn't do quite that good, but then the next song would be even even better than that. So it's but it it's all like it's decent now. Like you can you can listen to it um, unironically, you know, <laughs> and not like chuck the headphones off your head and out the window <laughs> two seconds now, later. Do you save all the project files? Do you have them all backed up? Because I was, I was looking the other day on my laptop, on my external hard drive, and I was just noticing that I have, for the Walking Dead podcast, I've got 170 gigs of data in there because I've got everybody's original audio tracks and, you know, like, all the pre-edited versions, all the edit files. So if I ever wanted to go back, I could be like... I need the, you know, the unedited version of this section or something. Do you have all that for the song? So, like, someday you could go back and re-edit something? Or um, are you kind of more of the once it's done, it's done. I'll move on to something new type personality. I am kind of in between that. Um, there was a point in phase where I switched from the light version of Cubase into the pro version. And I kind of got rid of everything that I had that I'd done on the light version just because most of it wasn't that great. Anyway, I mean, there, there's one project on there now that I am kind of wishing I could go back and tweak one little thing with, which is annoying, but, um, <laughs> you know, you get over it. But, I mean, the ones the ones that are there now, the project files are all still on the computer, and I can, can go back and edit those if I wanted to. Um, and sometimes I do, I do do that most of the time, uh, more for fun, but there's there has been occasions where I've gone back because I've noticed well I want uh, you know the rhythm a bit louder here how, how long would you say you line. spend on an average song just in from from start to not not start to finish let's let's take out the writing and composing aspect but just from recording to final edit like how long would you say on average if there is one I mean it's difficult to say because my like my procedure isn't always the same and so like sometimes it it's usually quicker when like if I've written lyrics and then I go into producing the music and stuff like that but sometimes I actually create the music and then you know I'm going in to do to do lyrics and stuff like that and sometimes when I do it that way, I I tend to want to change up some music in there, and uh, that that can take significantly longer. But the actual like writing and initially producing is is relatively short compared to the editing phase. I find, right. <laughs> which can be ridiculously long. Well, I know you um, and I are very similar, and we like to edit the ever-living snot out of projects. You know, for me, it's um, more spoken word stuff. For you, it's music. But, mm. you know, we will tinker with everything to get it to sound <laughs> the way we want. Because I know, I mean, you, I'll go over to your house, and you'll play me a couple new songs, then two weeks later, you'll send me 
you know, another updated version and it'll sound, sometimes it sounds pretty similar. Sometimes it's radically different. You know, there's entire chunks missing or added in or the entire keyboard line is different or the lyrics are completely different. And, and then, you know, a month later it'll show up on your, you know, like sound, what do you use, SoundCloud or Pure Volume? Or uh, I'm on SoundCloud right now. So your SoundCloud yeah. version will be even different from that. So, I mean, you like to go back and, and, and tinker with those and yeah, make them as perfect as you can. Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes like the one the ones you upload will sound slightly different anyway, just because the encoding is gonna right, yeah, is gonna mess with it. But, it has to be um, streamable. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Although I mean, SoundCloud has it's, pretty it's decent not, sound quality. It's not that bad now because I mean, back in the day, what we used to use Pure Volume, um, Sound SoundClick, SoundClick. Yeah, that one was. I remember that. Was there any others? Well, I guess we had a MySpace page, right, for the band. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had our own, we had our own website that I guess you initially set up, yeah, but it was a .co.uk address <laughs> for some reason. I mean, we are both from Jersey, but the new one, not the one in the UK. So, uh, yeah, that, that was we had that website. I think before we had any songs online, I probably. It was just like a website with a bunch of pictures. and Yeah, I put a lot of time into like designing that and making it feel... We had... Because we used to go... Yeah. I had a 3.1 megapixel digital camera. That was terrible. At the time we were using it, it was terrible. Like, it had already been, like, hot-wired. Like, it was a yard sale fine type deal. But we went around, like, your neighborhood to a construction site and took some pictures. Yep. Um, later, when Dave was in the band... We jail. we went to the there's a there's a jail in our kind of area. It's close to your house, but it's like a historic prison. Yeah, and we took down, some really downtown. cool pictures there. Although I took my dad's camera for that, so that was actually decent That's um, true. quality pictures. Um, but I think the composition of most of those po- photos was pretty decent, regardless of the quality of the cameras. Like, we got some really good pictures, like the one of my backpack or your backpack and my guitar, your back guitar, my backpack in the shadows against that. One building, I can still remember that one, or you stand in front of the dumpster and stuff. Like, there's just some random pictures that people would take for a, for an album or something. Yeah, I mean, some of those pictures actually came out pretty cool, and yeah. you know, like you would look at the picture and expect the music to be. Much, I want to listen to that band. Much better band. than what I didn't want to listen to that band. Uh, and we did actually make. No, I say make. We did make a CD. Which was a burn CD with stickers oh, on it too for the logo, a logo oh, I designed. I, I I designed so every time we came up with a band idea, I would design logos <laughs> for them. Um, I put way too much effort ever into these logos. Some of the logos actually turned out pretty cool. Yeah, they the Glass Horizon were. one's probably still my favorite, but you know, those some of those logos are pretty decent. Like every band had to have a logo and also like an icon. <laughs> And sometimes those two things would merge together. And I think we we did like a lot of uh, like a lot of discussions on band names and how to phrase the band name and how to you know how how to portray it, what the band name meant. And we put uh, way too much thought into that. We, we should have dedicated more time to music <laughs> than we did with all of this extra stuff on the side. But the extra but... stuff was much cheaper to do. So this uh, is true. We only ever played one true. show because we had crappy stuff back then but we only ever played the one show six songs yeah well i mean one legitimate show and then well we played you in know. your garage like once and yeah. i think your birthday party or graduation party or something i don't think that counts 
Because it was us and, like, another person maybe sitting around. But that, that one show was fun. I had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. Nerve-wracking I mean, as I'll get out. I, I know I, I missed a cue at one point to, like, come in with vocals, so we just went around another few bars and I came back in. I definitely booked a drumstick mid-song. Um, I remember that, yeah. I definitely screwed up the drum beat in one song. Like, I couldn't remember what it was supposed to be, and so I improvised and it was off. Um, didn't you lose your voice, in, like, by the end of the show? Uh, again, I this was like that rap rock screamy type stuff we were doing. Yeah, the there time. was like one song that had a lot of screaming, and I feel like I kind of like lost it in bits and pieces of that one. Didn't you have like a bandana or something? Maybe a hood or a bandana? I think I had you like had a long neck hair. Yeah, I had a long hair. You I had, had long hair, hair at this down point. my shoulders. And I was in my whole like you know backwards cap Fred Durst wannabe. I think you're wearing a Five Iron Frenzy T-shirt. You definitely wore that shirt a lot back then. It was like a Five Iron Frenzy. Yeah, um, baseball I, jersey. I think I, I think I had the Dr Pepper shirt actually. Oh, that's quite possible. That. I had the goatee, or not the goatee, but the the soul patch, and I might have had like the pseudo mustache and the soul patch at that point. <laughs> I, I forget. You want to look as creepy not, as possible? But, yeah, but that was it. Wasn't well. It probably was terrible, but I'm not going to go back. The look or the music. Out. A little bit of both. Well, we've definitely gone back and revisited that because we have it on tape. Yeah. Like, yeah. somebody recorded it. I definitely bootleg. have the audio on my computer. Bootleg. Well, a bootleg there, of our own show. It's not like it was going to be professionally recorded yeah. in the school auditorium. No. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of audience noise in that, too, though, from what I remember. I did kind of like, like, when I went back to the bootleg, and I actually thought the live version of Explode was better than, like, any of the recorded versions that we had done. We tended, especially in the early days, the mid-early days, to have a lot of extra stuff. Like, yeah. it couldn't just be the song, but it had to be the song with a whole DJ Scratch track on top of it. Because we thought that was cool back then. But, like, in retrospect, like, it was probably a case of less is more, yeah. I think, for a lot of that. My least favorite song recorded of us of all time was the very first version of Arsenal that we did, like, before we even had the whole band. And it was just me and you, and I think it was just you playing snare drum and, like, me doing the Snare drum and hi-hat. And you playing On the keyboard. <laughs> and it was like, oh, my God, it's it's the worst song ever. It's... <laughs> and it went on like that for the first 15 seconds. That's all it was. It's seriously, if you think you've heard the worst song in the world, you, you <laughs> might not have until you hear that song. I don't think there's much that beats it. Yo, Nadraj. What? Kim the lazy Let's jump forward through 30 seconds of that. No, seriously, 30 more seconds of that with very little variation and hear a clip of what the rest of this awful song sounded like. 
Well, I seen a bubble went left. We came east, been fighting all the suckers. The worst of the beast, so no. Got it stock, got it locked, got it loaded. It's the BSS back to explode this. Been a while, but we back and I'm flashing now. See if an agro-grade track. So step up or else you step down. Cause the blood ain't so taking over your town. Come on. I should, should see if I can find that MP3 and splice it in right there so people can hear the, the pain. It's, oh, God. We don't talk politics or religion on this podcast, but we can mention it in passing to say that we were both raised re- very religious, and so a lot of the lyrical themes from some of those early songs were some of the most patronizing, pandering, unsubtle, religious lyrics ever. Um, yeah, yeah. Just... And I should say, I'm the biggest defender there, I think. But, I mean, we both had some of it, but it was there was some really heavy-handed nonsense in, in our lyrics. That by the end, writing lyrics, like later bands and stuff, I think, had mostly, yeah, mostly d- gone away. Yeah, it dissipated to do some other stuff. You found ways and to have themes instead of really obvious lyrics. Yeah, and I think you actually kind of made that transition more because I kind of... I feel like when we transitioned to Glass Horizon, you kind of became the primary lyric writer for that because I don't yeah. think I really wrote too much for. Well, because we were lyrically, you, you tended to write more rap stuff, and that band didn't have any rap in it. That I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah. So, I, and you, you're. I want to say you're much better. I don't do this, but you definitely are good at composing music. Whereas I am much more the lyric guy. So I would come up with lyrics and be like, "Okay, we need to." Give me, give me something that would fit this, and then, okay, we'll tweak it here and there. I'll tweak how my cadence of the delivery, and then put it together that way. And then when, once Dave was in, and Dave and Paul, who t- Paul would play bass for us... It'd Dave, be, Dave did a lot of the music. Yeah, it, but it helped to be like, okay, let's just find a song. I'll throw in a drum beat later once we have... Like, I'll just put in a basic, like, four on the floor you know, 4-4 four, four beat or something, and then we'll, I'll figure out what we want to be in there later for the drums, but it was much more about let's just get a <laughs> a melody and lyrics that fit, right. um, generally. But also, I mean, we, as weird as it sounds, our, why our early output was terrible, there was a lot of it. And as we got older and were making better stuff, our output yeah. definitely dropped. Yeah, we, we didn't do too many... You know, like, a lot of those later bands, we'd have, like, four or five songs. You know, a lot of them not even ever recorded. You know, I've got lyrics yeah. somewhere on a notebook, somewhere, you know, some closet and some Tupperware, not Tupperware, container, but, like, Rubbermaid container. Um, and we never really performed with... Uh, anything with, except for the first band. That yeah. was that was it. You know, aside from my basement, and for, for my parents to have to suffer through. Some outside, summer, it's nice weather, let's go. In the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> But no, we, we still had a lot of fun. It was a good way to. Ha- it was a good excuse to hang out when you know we were just starting to drive and all those kind of things. And good reason to be hanging out when, you, for some cool. reason, you had to have a reason back when you're teenagers because otherwise you're going to be getting into trouble. So that was, was our fun. reason. Learn that uh, recording is not the same as live performances. And no, nope. You don't jump around because you're likely to hit your head on a crossbeam in your basement. Especially in your basement because it's very low ceilings and you're tall. That or taller was, than me at that least. Was fun. I do remember the one time, I think it was one that just you and me did and like for some reason, I don't even remember what song, it might have been Explode, but um, like... That song also has like seven different versions on my computer. That yeah. and Arsenal both have a bunch of them. Yeah. But, um, that range from terrible to kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> um... 
like at one point we were doing a recording and you just took off with like a rap verse even though you never did like any rapping in I those did? songs ever. Yeah, yeah, this is this is on one of the outtakes that we uh we saved from cuz I think we're still using the creative I might not, I might not have that one. You might just have that one. I wonder if I still have it. It's pretty funny. I hope it's still Well, we used to do, like, let's let's put big air quotes around comedy skits. Like, little bits that, like, would go either at the beginning or the end of an album or... Yeah, that's that's true. We did some of that. And it was mostly improvised. It would generally be, uh, okay, let's put something along this idea, improvise it, and, and record it there. Listen to it. Okay, I'm going to tweak this, change this line. I'm going to record it again. I like to get you used to hearing one line and then switch it up with another line just to throw you off and get you to laugh on mic. <laughs> yeah. That was always a lot of fun. I mean, the, pre- the pencil the pencil prelude. <laughs> the pencil tape. Uh, <laughs> the pencil prelude is the only one that I think I still have. I don't know if I have any of the others. I mean, well, that, some that of them are on that your was solo stuff, that was... Uh, hey, uh, I got an idea. Can you hand me a pencil? Yeah, here you go. Thanks. There. Uh, what about that? Can you play that? Uh, what is it? That was the one that we actually uh, put on the quote unquote album. Put on the ten song monstrosity of horrors. <laughs> it's a CDR. <laughs> yeah. It's oh god. It functions as a flying disc if you need one of those. <laughs> well, I think we've we've probably exhausted the topics of the old band stuff. Yeah. But uh, thank you for joining me on this, John. I'm Jordan from Jersey. I'm John. And uh, this has been Jersey Shore. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening to Jersey Shore. You can contact us at jordan at legionofdudes.com. That's J-O-R-D-A-N. Or you can leave us a voicemail, 972-798-3830. And just let us know that you're leaving it for Jersey Shore. You can follow me on Twitter at Jordan, F-R-M, Jersey. And iTunes ratings and reviews are always appreciated. And if you enjoy the show, don't forget to check out hhwlod.com for lots of great content just like it. Mm-hmm.